Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to let you know that our friends at Outdoor Edge have partnered with some great brands to help bring your fall full circle with their field to freezer to fire giveaway. Here's how you enter. Go to their Facebook page and sign up to win some awesome prizes and packages from brands including Yeti, Weston, Bradley Smokers, and more. These are some awesome products that will help you process your game, keep your game in the freezer, and eventually cook it for your table. You have until January 15th to sign up, so take advantage of that. Outdoor Edge in the Field to Freezer to Fire giveaway. Go to their Facebook page and make it happen. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces, NATION30, and you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hey there. Happy holidays. I hope you guys are all enjoying the holidays and, you know, getting to relax a little bit, reflect on what a crazy year it's been. And by the time you hear this, it might be close to New Year's anyways. And 2021 will hopefully bring, I don't know, whatever it is that you are seeking. But anyways, on this episode, I've got Joe Bricko on from JT Outdoor Products. And I've known Joe now close to three years, and probably about two and a half years ago, I had Joe on the, as one of the first guests on the podcast. Actually, I think he was episode number two, just to come on and talk about technique-specific rods and um, you know some of the the rods that he had you know come up with and it started this company named JT Outdoor Products. And wow, have they grown a ton since two years ago. And I brought Joe on the podcast because I thought, A, it's a good time of year to get on here to talk about ice rods. But two, um, just to talk about the growth of the company, how it has evolved, some of their product offerings and the inspirations and where he gets his ideas from. And so if you haven't listened to episode number two of this whole podcast, uh, scroll on back and listen to uh, Joe and I talk about his humble beginnings and then jump back to this one. And you can kind of see how Joe has, uh, you know, really grown the company a ton and uh, has a lot of great product offerings. So also remember that I can save you guys some money uh, if you head on over to jtoutdoorproducts.com. And if you were to purchase a rod or anything on the website, before you check out, type in Freshwater Bite as as a coupon code and save you some money off of your total purchase. So Remember to type that in, and without any further ado, here is Joe Bricko from JT. Hey, Lee. What's going on, buddy? How are you, man? Good. How about you? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you as well. Well, the last time you've been on here, it's been about two and a half years, so I figured it'd be a really good time to get you back on because I feel like the company and 
you guys have been very busy and have grown significantly. And I think it's, I think it's part of my duty to help update everybody on uh, just how great uh, JT Outdoor Rods are. So, can you just kind of, yeah, awesome. yeah can you just kind of, you know, uh, for the most part, folks, the, I had Joe on the very beginning of the podcast when it first started. Um, but I think it was like episode four or five, something like that. Anyways, you can go back and hear the backstory about how JT got started. But um, can you talk a little bit about just how significantly the company has grown over the past two and a half years? Because the last time I think we talked, we were talking uh, the release of um, the Gold Digger. So <laughs> that's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's been some time back. And I know uh, just kind of talk about the ups and downs and uh, you know how JT's been doing. Yeah, I had to chuckle a little bit there because it seems like uh, an eternity ago that we did release the Gold Digger, which you know, ironically, you mentioned that rod is still our still our number one selling. Um, ice rod in, in that category of a, of a jig stick. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about snare rods that, uh, those are just, those are just crazy, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, we've been, we've been very fortunate and, um, we have grown, uh, leaps and bounds, uh, oftentimes, you know, it resonates in my head is, you know, be careful what you, what you wish for. <laughs> Cause, uh, sometimes you get, you get so wrapped up and you're, you're, you're so busy that it's just, it's, it's total chaos. But, I would say the, the, the big thing for me is from that, from that time period, Lee, is we, we really had to figure out, you know, how to, how to grow the business and, and keep it under control and, and manage it. And, and with that, it, it was really a transition of, you know, working on the business instead of uh, within the business. Now, a lot of people say this and what is that, what does that exactly mean? Uh, back then, you know, really, my, my wife and I and, and one other really, we were doing everything. I mean, you're, you're assembling and you're the marketing person and your development and accounting and all the different functions that go on to, to make a business work. Now, obviously, as you start to grow, you just, you can't do everything anymore. So you really gotta, you gotta figure out what you're good at and you gotta really look at you know, adding key people and having them in the right seats and making sure they're, they're doing what, what they're good at. So that's kind of been our biggest challenge to, to growth, especially as me as an owner, because I really wanted to do everything, but I had to kind of take a step back and, and realize, you know, what I was good at and um, how I could, how I could help the business grow. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, that I kind of just want to get your opinion on when you were you know, releasing like, let's say for instance, um, the gold digger and things like that. You know, I remember getting emails and stuff like that from, uh, you know, from you telling the staff like, Hey, you know, we're almost out of, uh, gold diggers. And it was like, I think it was like mid February or the end of February. And it was just, did you ever think when you were starting this company that you would have such problems of, you know, selling out so quickly and just having that demand there? No, it's and and like I said, this thing has um it, it's grown you know beyond my my wildest dreams and you know I I wrote a uh, a Facebook post a couple months ago and I was standing in front of one or one of our displays in the newest uh, Shields locations and you know I called it I called it the American Dream and um, you know it, it really is and and I truly believe that you know anyone can do anything they want to they want to do and 
you know, you think about how I started this company, obviously, you know, the story cause you've been with us in, from the beginning, but, um, I really just started tinkering around in my mechanical room. That that's where this business started. And, uh, you know, now I've grown into a shop, but this, this business is still on my own, my own property, right at, right at my home here. So, um, it, it, it is the American dream. If you're passionate about something and, and you're willing to, you know, invest the time, um, you know, people see that and, and they see all the extra effort that goes in and they, they, they see your, your processes and how that's different and how you spend time within engineering. And, you know, our mission is still the same from the beginning. And I think that, uh, we really did stick to our roots and that's, uh, that's our development process and that's, um, paying attention to detail. Um, our staff is, is still, you know, the driving power behind our company. And I say it all the time. I, I believe we have the best staff in the industry with some of the best minds, um, out there. You know, these people are really on the, the cutting edge of their, their craft, whether it's, um, a tournament angler, which we have hall of fame tournament anglers, um, you know, guides that run a, a, a whole team of guides, you know, that do four, 500 trips a year with their team of guides, really good knowledge there. And, and, you know, I, I say our mission is really the same. We still rely on those people uh, to give us feedback within product development and we pay attention to every detail and make sure you create, you know, something that, that doesn't exist or you improve on, on a rod to give just that little bit of advantage. So our mission is still the same. We've grown a lot. Like I said, I have to, I had to learn how to, um, work on the business and, um, you know, we're up to nine employees now. So it's, uh, it's growing a lot, man. It's just, it's so crazy to think about that. I mean, you know, you're to me, you're, um, you know, you're like an entrepreneur in the, in the world of fishing, um, specifically more, you know, on the side of, uh, uh ice fishing and open water rods. But I think a lot of people listening to this podcast or they own their own business or they've always had maybe an idea of whatever they're passionate about, whether that be fishing, hunting or whatever it is in their daily life. Um, and always thought about maybe starting a business and or uh, improving on a product or seeing a need in the market for something that would make everyone's lives better and or something that would stand out. Um I know you said, you know, you kind of get a lot of feedback from your pro staff and things like that, but can you just kind of talk about where like, you know, maybe give an example of where those ideas come from? Because it always seems like JT is not really making a lot of products that are quote unquote me too. It's more of like, how can we improve something or put something else out there that no one else has, but yet still serves a niche that, uh, that is in demand. Yeah, and that that's an excellent question, and and really something that I would like everybody to understand. You know, especially our our customer base. I'm not looking to just recreate something that exists. And I would say this this kind of comes about kind of out of my own my own selfish need, really, because um, I'm I'm a tournament angler during the summer. I'm a super competitive uh, person. Grew up playing sports um, after college you know, took my competitive nature into the, into the tournament world. And, you know, with that, it, when you're competing in anything, a lot of times the, the difference between, you know, losing or, or just even falling middle of the pack, is such fine, fine details. You know, I, I, I watch all the tournaments really close and, and every time it was, you, you hear somebody on the podium, 
whether it was through our own experience or national walleye tour, it's such a minor thing that somebody did that, that, that put them, that, that put them over the top and, and gave them that little bit of that advantage. So what I'm constantly doing, and I've always had a passion, you know, for fishing rods is I'm always looking for when I'm out fishing, uh, uh, matching a certain rod to a certain technique, whether it's throwing a snap jig or it's uh, rigging a big Creek chub or it's, um, you know, like our snare rod in the bottom bouncer, which is a rod you just, uh, let sit in the holder, which is a, you know, a, a unique application. I'm always thinking, how could, how could this rod be perfected to just give me that little bit of an advantage so I can uh, just be a little bit ahead of my, my competition. So, um, and, and I, I talked about gravitating and, uh, towards what you like and really trying to find the right seat in the business. And that's, that's what I realized over time that I, I really just need to focus on development. It, it's, it's what, it's what I like. Um, it's, uh, the best fit for me within the business. And, uh, Andre runs a lot of other parts of the business that I don't necessarily, you know, like, or have a skill set <laughs> for like managing the website and, you know, apparel and designs like that. So, um, I'm really just focusing on the rod development at any given time. I'm, I'm, I have uh, projects, you know, going on, but that's, um, that's our mission. It's what, it's what keeps us unique pretty much every day. I'm having a conversation with someone about, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Hey, how could we tweak the, the power of the action on that rod to make it, you know, something unique and uh, give that little bit of, of extra advantage. So, that's where I think I kind of bring a unique perspective. Um, I'm out there actually doing it. I'm on the tournament trail all summer. So it's, it's not just, uh, it's not just me saying it, 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 I'm testing it and I fully believe in the, in the stuff I'm, I'm creating. And, um, and you know, our staff and we got a, we oh, have yeah. a ton of great anglers, um, four or five hall of fame anglers now, and, yep. you know, guides that have been in the business a long, long time. So, um, I think that stuff is really important. And sometimes that gets a little bit, a little bit overshadowed. You know, if you went to, um, you know, a, a big label, I don't know if people could honestly say, Hey, I know that the guy that's developing that is, you know, uh, he did the testing and, and he's, uh, he's out there doing it too. Might just be a big suit behind the scenes. Maybe he doesn't even fish at all. So I think that is a, that is a big difference. Yeah. And you know, it, it sounds like you get to do the fun part or whatever you think, you know, you think is the fun part, which is product development and testing and things like that. Um, have you gotten some things out there where you had a great idea or you thought you had a great idea, but when you kind of developed it and you know, when the, when the tires hit the pavement, it just didn't pan out. <laughs> a lot of duds. Yeah. That, <laughs> that comes with the territory. I'm, uh, I've always been known as, a. Uh, as a little bit of a dream or an idea guy. So, you know, with, with that, when you're, um, you know, when you're chasing some shiny objects, you know, things, things don't always work out, uh, you know, honestly, um, more times than not, they, they don't, but, but that's all, that's all part of the process. And you, you know, you, you learn along the way. Um, it, it's when you're sitting here, you know, in, inside the house or you're sitting in your office and you dream these ideas up, they work really well in your mind. And then you get them out and you, you, you forgot about some variables that play in me like, Oh, didn't think of that. Yeah. This, uh, this isn't going to work because of that. So it's, it's, it really is about, you know, applying it, um, in the field in an actual situation. And, you know, I mean, any career you could really, really say that in any type of product. So it's, um, 
you know, there's, there's theory and then there's, there's actual application. So yeah. to answer your question, yeah, we, we do, have, we do have a lot of duds, but I would say most of the time, you know, it just, you make revisions to the product and then you, you, you correct something that you didn't see. And then the, the that product can continue on. But I do have a, I do have a back room full of stuff that never made it. Oh yeah. I can attest to that. A uh, few times I crashed at your place. I've seen the graveyard of rods in the corner. <laughs> yep. Always, yeah, it's real. You always share stories like, "Oh yeah, that was the prototype number one of whatever the the open water snare." And uh, um, can you talk a little bit about kind of your idea? And we're gonna get to ice rods here in a second, folks. Um, but you know, one that really stood out to me um, this year, and it's just you know, it's a way of fishing um, for for on, on the ice, and you've kind of brought that into the open water. Um, and that's the, uh, the open water snare rod. And, you know, again, we're going to talk a little bit about the ice rods here in a minute, but, um, you know, it's not that you just created another rod. It's another, like you said, uh, technique specific rod. So it's, it's a new way of almost fishing and, um, and and it's something that's never been developed before. Can you kind of talk about the backstory of how that came about just so folks can get, uh, kind of dive into the brain of Joe Bricko a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, I'll have to go back and really talk about our, you know, the development in the ice world with that snare rod. Cause that, that's really where it all began. Yeah. And that's how I eventually got to the, to the open water, um, snare rod. Now that's, um, you know, that's a certain technique and, um, it's a technique that, that really opened my eyes and I'll even explain it to a lot of, um, pretty good anglers. And, um, they kind of look at you a little, little glossed over and they're like, yeah, that seems like a little bit of a far-fetched story. And it's really a, a technique that you gotta, you almost have to see it in action to realize just how effective it is. But when I tell the story, when I'm, when someone's inquiring about a snare rod, well, one of the things that, that I always say is a lot of times less can be more. And what, what we have a tendency to do and when the bite gets tough as, as an angler, you overthink things. And a lot of times you overwork the bait. And that's a lot of times opposite of, of what you really want to be doing. A lot of times when the, when the bite gets tough, um, doing less with that bait, uh, less, uh, less aggressive jigging motion, or just good old-fashioned dead sticking will outproduce everything. And that's... Um, that's what really opened my eyes about that technique when I when I started um, developing that rod. I was, it was brought to me, and, and I thought, boy, that seems like a pretty crazy concept. We're just going to take a really slow action type of rod and let the rod do all the work, and uh, really just just let it sit there. It just it doesn't seem like it's going to get bit that much, and it, uh, I really don't see how they're just going to kind of hook themselves and you know get to that that snaring action. So even even I was uh, a bit of a doubter and a lot of people, you know, don't, don't really believe this, believe this. They're like, wow, this is like your kind of rod line. But until I saw it in action, I didn't realize just how effective a properly designed, you know, dead stick could be. And that's, that's what the snare rod is. It's a dead stick. It has a very, very specific action. And it's really opposite of what the market has, has really, uh, I would almost say brainwashed, I'd go that far saying brainwash. The market's really brainwash people that you got to have this extra fast action rod. Now, extra fast does have a time and place, but it's, um, it's a pretty small area of fit really. 
Mm-hmm. And this is totally opposite. This this is a moderate or I would say even a slow type of action rod. That first two thirds of that rod is 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 very very slow action, very very light. So with the with the snare rod for people out there that don't understand, it's a the dead stick rod as I mentioned. So you just let it sit in a rod holder. That fish will grab that bait, and that tip is so light, and that action is so slow that that rod will start loading, and that fish doesn't even know that that they're hooked because it that that tension is progressively loading, and that that's an important thing. Where an extra fast action rod, you, you'll go from light a real light tip, and very quickly get into a very hard backbone. This is this is almost the opposite of that. Really, right. this is. This is that really, really slow, light action for the majority of that rod. And then by the time that rod is totally loaded up, it's really too late for that fish to, to do anything. They're not, they're not built with reverse. So that rod is already loaded. By the time that progressively loaded rod gets to a point where they start to feel something, they really just lunge and, and, and set themselves. But if that action was fast, the snare rod would not work. Right, because so they they'd feel that tension question. sooner, and you know, spit the hook or whatever, and they know something's not right. But here, it's almost like almost like a slow death or a slow trap of you know getting themselves into a bind. Yeah, it, it you know it, the the name for it is perfect. It, it really is. It, it is like a snare. They they get themselves into a bind, and before you know it, they're they're hung, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that that's what happens. And um, I oftentimes ask people. Hey, what's your experience with um, a good old-fashioned tip-up? They're like, well, they're pretty good for pike, but you know, when it comes to panfish and, and even walleyes, it, you know, the flag will go up, but you know, a lot of times that the fish isn't there. And uh, th- this is something that I really realized through all, all the development of that snare rod. Um, why that? Why that is? Uh, people know that exists, but people don't understand exactly why that happens. So um, this became very clear to me through the development of the snare rod. What what'll happen there is um, fish are they're programmed to sense change, whether it's a pressure front or uh, sunlight penetration or whatever whatever it is. Everybody knows that fish are programmed to sense change. That's how they survive in their world. So when they come up to a tip up and they they, they grab that bait, it's pretty firm. There, there's a lot of uh, it's like tied to a tied to a tree almost. It's, it's real tight. So they grab that bait, they start pulling. And then all of a sudden, there's no tension at all. There's a very, very big, abrupt change in there. Um, just by the nature of the way tip-ups are designed, a lot of times that abrupt change will, will, will cause the fish to spit that bait because mm-hmm. they're just startled by an abrupt change. Mm-hmm. And what really makes the snare rod work is, is that progressive load. There's no abrupt change at all. They grab it. It's loading so slow over time as they're swimming away that there's no big noticeable change in that tension and that's what really fools them so i really learned that concept through the development of those ice rods and really opened my eyes to how effective that is and we started chatting about god how could we bring this to the to the summer if we could bring this into a summer rod it'd be so deadly as a second rod because a lot of times um i know for me it's hard to manage two rods. If you're holding both in your hand, you can kind of jig. And I know some guys have got good net in certain states. Um, in Minnesota, it's, it's only one. So it's, uh, it's hard to, hard to get good that way. But, um, really realized that, that this needs to be brought to the open water market. And, um, and we did that. It's a, it's a nine foot two telescoping rod. 
and we really tried to mimic that action that worked so well in the ice in the ice market and bring that to this rod. And uh, as you know, there's a pretty interesting story behind the development of that rod. Yeah, yeah, it's you know when you're folks listening to this, like you said, he's just kind of putting it in the rod holder and just kind of, you know, letting it sit there. Um, can you kind of give us a scenario of how you're setting up on the boat? Like whether you're, are you anchored off or are you slow? You know, do you have it on like almost like a dead troll almost? Are you just drifting with the wind so that folks, you know, you know, if they were to try this technique out or something like that, kind of get their, you know, going in the right direction. Yeah, so it, it really excels with um, with with bottom bouncers and, and live bait rigs, and then also long line trolling. Okay. So when you have um, particularly, I mean, if I was to narrow that down even a little bit more, like a real slow wobbling, you know, type of, of stick bait, um, you know, and, and on a on a slower troll. So when you get cold water conditions. Uh, early in the year, late in the year, when you don't get those really violent attacks of a of a really aggressive wobble, a lot of times you have a real aggressive, you know, type of bait. You know, I think of like a salmon hornet or something that's just, you know, super erratic. Oh, it seems like you get those really aggressive, you know, strikes where the fish just, you know, comes up full speed and just eats that bait. But that 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 doesn't happen all times of the year. A lot of times you'll have a slow wobbling type of stick bait. And the, the fish will come up behind that and just kind of grab that bait and, and, and swim with it. Now, the same thing, if you had an extra fast action rod in that and they just barely grabbed the back of that hook or something, you're going you're gonna to miss that fish. So that that's where this open water snare rod really excels. Um, so back to the, the, the crankbait, um, long line trolling with that in those cold water conditions on a slower moving no type of crankbait allows that fish to come up and grab that bait. The rod starts to load. Maybe they reposition that in their mouth or they, or, or they choke up on it a little bit more to the point where they get hooked. And you're converting on a lot of those bites where a traditional trolling rod wouldn't. So I know, um, you know, out West Jay Cameron uses this thing all he's out in Utah and uh, he, he's able to open water fish all your long we're always real jealous of them but just uses this rod as just a weapon in the in the bed of the uh in the winter out there and open water situation now a lot of my experience with the with the snare rod and um i'll talk about our tournament success with it during during developing but my experience with it is uh is with a bottom bouncer and live bait rigs so whether it's a you know night crawler or uh pulling a uh, a creek chub um, that's a rod that in states where you can have multiple rods, you just leave that rod in the rod holder, you pull a bouncer, and you just let the rod load up. The really, only way to mess it up is, is to come over and, and grab that rod too soon when they bite it. Yeah. So really, you just want to see that. You just want to see that rod folded over, and you really want to see head shape, you know, in that blank. And then it's just, you know, it's picking it, pick it straight up. You know, and that's uh, it's just a deadly, you know, second rod within the lineup. Yeah. I would say for the advice out there is uh, anglers probably almost, you know, if you're getting, if you're new to this might have the tendency to want to pick it up almost too soon. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, the same goes for our, our winter rod when someone calls and says, Hey, I'm having a, a hard time, you know, uh, converting on, on this fish with the, with the winter walleye snare or panfish snare. Um, 
hundred percent of the time I just tell them you're grabbing it too fast. Okay. And that, that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get, uh, you get eager. I, I do too. Even, you know, you see that rod start to load and you're like, Oh my goodness, I got to grab that thing right away. And uh, it's really the opposite of what you want to do. You really want the rod to do its work. You want it to get into that backbone, which is a long ways down that rod. So it takes some time and really let that, that, that full, that full snare effect happen, so to speak. So, um, same, same with the summer rod. Now we, uh, I did all my prototyping in the AIM national championship and it was a year where, um, we were fortunate enough that, uh, all my teammates, uh, made, made the tournament as well. You only take the top 10, so only 10 teams from each region. So we were, uh, we were pretty thankful we all made it. So, um, so three teams, it was, it was six of us total. And I was right into the heart of, um, of prototyping that rod. And, uh, we, we used that rod and it was out in, uh, it was out in North Dakota on, on the Missouri River in Bismarck. And uh, we utilized that rod. We ended up going uh, first, uh, second, and, and fourth. So the rod was just absolutely perfect on the type of bite that was happening out there. Uh, it was with bottom bouncers, and it was pulling spinners and crawlers. And uh, it was just a real, it was, it was a real fickle type of bite. It was really hard to uh, get them while where you're hand-holding a, a traditional rigging rod. So we used... Uh, we use those prototypes and, uh, I guess the rest is, is kind of history. So we were able to, we're able to win a warrior out of the, out of the deal. That's so we, awesome. we did tow a boat home. And, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it's really, a really, a, a highlight, um, not only for the development of that rod, but for, for us as, as, as a team, um, it was a pretty, pretty special moment. Yeah. Talk about going all in on an idea too. You yeah, know, yeah, you know, risking it all during the, the tournament teenagers. time. <laughs> yeah, which can be dangerous too because these guys are like, "Oh, what is what is he going to have next that he's going to you know make us use?" But uh, they were they were pretty happy with me on this particular situation. So oh, hell yeah, I'd um, be too. It, it it did work out. So um, last yeah, qu- so yeah, I've got one last Go question ahead. about the snare real quick. Is there um. Is there a sweet spot when it comes to size of bottom bouncers that you're using? And, um, you know, I know depending on what body of water you're on, um, if you're on bigger bodies of water and let's say it's windy that day or whatever, folks might use different size ounce, um, bottom bouncers. Is there like a, a sweet spot that you kind of want to stay in or does it really matter what size, um, you know, one, two ounce bottom bouncers that you're, that you're pulling with it? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, everything has, has limitations, unfortunately. Um, you know, and this, this, this rod is no different. I know there's, there's guys out there that get into special situations, whether it be deep or a lot of current or something, and they're going to run just ridiculously heavy bottom bouncers, like five ounces. Mm-hmm. This is, um, not really made for that. It's, it's, it wouldn't be able to, to do it, its thing with and be able to handle a, a bouncer of that size. So I really, you know, in our descriptions on our website, I, I really say that that two is, is max. It, it, it still works very, very well at two ounces, but I, I really um, designed it perfectly for an ounce, an ounce and a half. Gotcha. Two is still very good. You could push that, you know, a little bit, still, you know, be within the, you know what that rod is capable of doing so but pushing it in anything beyond uh, you know two and a half ounces is just gonna it, it's gonna load that rod up too much and be, be too heavy for that so maybe that's a future development project maybe it's uh 
maybe it's a snare version too that can handle some of that larger stuff. So <laughs> who, who knows what's coming next? That's right. <laughs> Well, awesome. Um, well, you know, it is getting chillier here in Michigan. Um, I know I see some of you guys over there in Minnesota, you know, getting out on the ice. You guys making ice? Oh, we are, but it's it, it, it's behind, which is which is kind of kind of funny because we thought we were going to be off into uh, to this record, you know, early ice season. We had this really nice uh, cold snap that came in October, and um, some things even even capped over. And I know some people even. Um, snuck out at that time, and that was months ago. And uh, we really haven't had a much of a cold snap since. We're just we're dipping down just a little bit below thirty. I only remember one night where you know we were really in the you know in the single digits, which is which is kind of odd. By now, normally we have you know a week of of sub zero, and we make a few inches a night, and and everything's good. But I was on Malax uh, over the weekend. Normally things are pretty well full blown by now by Christmas time they're starting to pull out good shacks and four wheelers are all over the lakes and you're getting really, really close to, to being able to drive. But um we we were walking out over the weekend and there was uh there was an ice rescue even. Um some people got caught on the wrong side of a crack and yeah. it opened up and there was there was open water um you know for twenty, thirty feet of open water and you couldn't get on the other side of that crack so you had to be to be rescued so it is um it is a really weird year um we're just not getting that that those really cold stems to really really lock things up so you get a lake of that size and you, you get a big wind and um that that ice will move i mean it's it's crazy how much ice can move with uh with different pressures and different wind especially on those monster bodies of water but in a split second all of a sudden you can be on the wrong side of a crack and you're stranded yeah so it's um it is a weird year. Now in the extreme north, I mean Red Lake and Lake of the Woods and up there, um, I know they are they are letting some some vehicle traffic out, and it's um, they're they're pretty far ahead. But you know, Malax is central part of Minnesota, and um, we're um, we don't have, we don't have we don't have safe ice yet. So anywhere until you get you know way north near near the border, like Lake of the Woods, is there really what I would call safe ice? If there if there ever is such a thing as it's safe ice. Yeah, exactly. It's so ever changing. Yeah. So yeah, we're, uh, we're actually pretty far behind. Oh yeah. You're right. You're on Michigan time then because we, I mean, that's just the normal Michigan winter for at least us in the lower half of Michigan here. We're just last year. We didn't have anything for ice. Um, you know, basically from the thumb straight across, uh, down there wasn't much ice at all but if you went up a little bit to northern michigan you know you could get it on inland bodies of water but um you know the bay never had a solid freeze last year to get out on saginaw bay um so a lot of folks were disappointed there but hopefully we got our fingers crossed and mother nature can provide some cooler temperatures for us because we've got uh we've got some making up to do from last year yeah, d- definitely, and I, I would say the one good thing that we do have going is is we don't have any snow. The kiss of death is really when you get uh, these poor ice conditions like this, and you have, you know, spots that are, you know, two three inches, and then you get a big snowfall on there. It just it can um, it can destroy uh, an entire season. So oh, yeah. we don't have any snow, which is rare. <laughs> we had some again back in October. We had a couple big snowfalls, and we thought, boy, we're gonna have a good old fashioned winter here. These cold temps and a lot of snow. And now you fast forward, uh, you know, middle of December near Christmas time, there's no snow, and 
you know our temps today we're 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 above we're above freezing so mm-hmm. it's um it's kind of odd but hey it's 2020 right that's right yeah <laughs> nothing else is going to surprise us um no no so i want to get into ice rods a little bit here um you know, we're coming up on the season and there could be a couple anglers out there listening who said, uh, you know, I want to invest in maybe some higher end, um, ice rods this year. I've got some, some coin in my pocket. I really want to get a rod that, uh, you know, is technique specific. I think we covered the snare rod, which is going to be an essential, um, for folks and probably something that I highly recommend because, um, like we discussed earlier, it's not just, a rod that uh, you're going to go out and jig with. It's more of a technique and a way of fishing um, that I think a lot of folks should start to dive into and get into if they haven't done so yet. So I think we're good on the walleye snare, but let's talk about, uh, you know, three other rods that you think would be great for folks who are kind of beginning out to get into um, starting with one, let's say that, per, that, that ice angler who's heavy into panfish, whether that be, you know, crappie, um, bluegill and, uh, maybe a perch bite. Yeah. And, um, for people that are going to our, our website, um, we do, we do group things, um, by, by species. So we'll have the, the panhandler rods are, those, those are, those are pan feet, panfish, uh, specific rods. And then you go into the Rogue series, which is also a panfish rod. And then you, you work your way up in power. You go to the Shiver and the Gold Digger and all the way up to the Black Rain, which is our medium, medium heavy type of rod. So uh, we try to keep things organized like that. So it's um, so it's, it's understandable um, within that rod series. Now, within those series, we'll have different lengths and we'll have different, different handle types. But um, going back to your question about um, panfish rods, there's, there's a couple options there. So we have the pan handlers and, uh, those, uh, we have a proprietary, uh, tip on that, which is, uh, which is a titanium tip. Uh, it's a special, uh, blend of titanium. So it's, uh, it's a memory metal. So it's, uh, it's always going to bounce back into, into shape. And that's, that's really unique for, for bite detection. Um, really you couldn't bring any type of traditional material down that fine and still have it be durable. So as far as bite detection go, goes, it's really, really hard to beat that, uh, that titanium um, tip that's um, really an extension of the rod of the panhandler mm-hmm. um, type of rods because it's, um, it, it's served or wrapped right into the, right into the rod blank. So it's not, a lot of people think of spring bobbers, they're, they're clipped on and they're, falling off and they're turned sideways and people get frustrated with the store-bought ones but this is this is very very different so that's um that's my go-to i, I love our, our panhandler series uh we make a, a 24 a 30 and the, and the 35 inch version and then with, with each one of those i use a different diameter wire so it's perfectly matched to um to blend in that rod as as that rod is loading it um it loads perfectly into that blank so it's almost like an extension of that rod so with with those with those titanium tips on our spring bobbers really gives the ability to see that that lift bite mm-hmm. so if you're using that rod properly that that spring tip's just going to be a little bit loaded and as that fickle perch or that fickle crappie comes up from underneath that bait uh, it's gonna that spring's actually gonna lift because the weight is gonna be released off of that spring and we can see that lift bite because it's so sensitive. So that's um that that's that's really a great option. And then we have the rogues. Um 
another great rod. It's um it's a different um it's a different technique with the rogues. That is a panfish rod too, but that's uh that's gonna be an extra fast um carb or um not a carbon fiber. It's a fiberglass type of, of rod. Um that's um a power noodle. A lot of people think of the power noodle type of rod where you have a have a really light tip that transfers really quick into a into a backbone. And uh that's um that's a really popular rod for us too. And that's, that's better suited for the guys that, that like to use say small spoons or some bigger tungstens, um, for, um, for any type of pan fish and really like to pound the bait where they're working it really, really aggressively. Yep. Um, that's, that's where that shines. And the road also where it also shines is you can put about anything on it. And it's going to, you know, you're, you're going to be able to fish effectively with it. You can put a small tungsten on the rogue. You can work all the way up to even like a small riffin wrap or, uh, you know, a spoon. So it covers a wide variety. It's, uh, uh, one of the few rods in our lineup that you can, you can put a wide variety of baits on there. Yeah. Now comparing the rogue to the panhandler, um, panhandler is really specific on the lure weight because of that really fine spring tip. You don't want to max that spring out. So it, you know, it has a smaller range of, of baits you can use on it. Mm-hmm. The way that I kind of see the rogue for everybody listening, and it's been it's been great to use, is if you're think about it when you're getting on the ice for the first time, and you know you kind of get out to the spot, but you don't know what kind of fish is there, so you're kind of drilling holes, and then you start the hole hop from hole, you know, from hole to hole. It's a great rod to keep that can, you know, whatever you throw on can handle uh, everything from panfish all the way up to, um, you know, decent sized walleye. And you, it can handle those jigs and those spoons like Joe was talking about. And then from there, once you get set up, whether you drop a camera down or you know what kind of fish are in that area, then you can grab the next, you know, specific rod and then, you know, really hone in on your baits of what you want to fish um, exclusively to get more fish, um, you know, up on the ice. So I think it's, it's a great rod to, uh, kind of be like a scouting rod almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's an absolutely perfect explanation actually. And that, that is, that is how it works in reality. If you're going to a new lake or you haven't really had time to, to fine tune it and you're, you're going out there and just trying to learn the, the lay of the land. A lot of times you're ripping through a lot of different types of type of stuff. When you really get in tune with your bite, you know, you really figure out, ah, it's got to be this, it's got to be this, uh, this lure and this color and, you know, this weight and this cadence. But, you know, that, that takes, that takes time. You, you got to really invest a lot of time to, to get there, but you're absolutely right. If you're just, if you're going out and you're, you're trying to learn what they're reacting to, Rogue is the absolute perfect rod because you can effectively work about anything. And then as you start to figure out those nuances and, you know, figure out that you got to downsize and it's not really a, a, a pounding type of, of action that triggers them. It's a slow raise. Then you can, you can really maximize by switching over to a, to a panhandler then and really, you know, present that bait in a certain type of way with that, with that ultra bite detection. So that's a perfect way to, to really say that Lee. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what, uh, you know, the way of, I, I make sense of it in my mind. And like you said, when you're whole hopping around and you know, you've got that little, that little side caddy or, um, you know, tackle box that you're kind of taking with you and you've got a variety of different things in there and you're like, I wonder what's underneath me. Um, you know, if you, if you're getting that aggressive hard bite, it can handle the walleye. And if you, if you have to go smaller and maybe a little bit lighter with, um, you know, some soft plastics or whatever it is for the panfish, it can handle that as well. So, um, 
you know, sure. and then, and then, like you said, you got it laid out great on the website. Um, folks to head on over to typically you can just type in jtodp.com, which is jtoutdoorproducts.com. And then, you know, w- when the list comes up, it kind of ascends from, you know, kind of something, the lightest up top and then, and then getting more heavier with, um, you know, more robust rods as you go down. And then, you know, I guess getting into the gold digger a little bit, you know, we, we talked about it in the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, kind of explain a little bit of that. That's kind of more of your gear towards maybe, uh, you know, your, your walleye rod and, you know, 16 to whatever size, uh, walleye you're, you're pulling top side before it gets into the, the big ones. Yeah. And the, the gold digger would be a, would be a dedicated walleye rod. It, it, I do consider that a, a medium light yet. Um, but it is, um, is designed and geared specifically towards walleyes. Uh, now, when the first question I always ask somebody is, where do you fish? What kind of baits do you like to use and what sizes do you like to use? Because again, with being uh, technique specific rods, it, it is, it is all about um, the weight of the lure that you're, you're trying to use. So the gold digger really excels at uh, eighth, let's say three eighths is kind of the high end. So you're talking about, you know, eighth to, to three eighths ounce. Uh, I always use the buckshot because it's, you know, everybody yeah. knows what a, what the name Glenn buckshot is, yep. but a quarter ounce buckshot is just, is tailor made for that rod. It's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely perfect. Um, and it's, it's ideal for that, that 16, uh, mid, uh, 20 inch, uh, uh, walleye. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll still utilize the gold digger in a situation where you have maybe some perch mixed in or maybe some crappies. It's still going to work. Is it the perfect rod for, for that? No, but it, you, it's still a good multi-species rod, but it, it is a dedicated um, walleye rod and a medium light um, walleye rod, uh, perfectly matched for that, that quarter ounce spoon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, um, you know, again, I think that's a good idea to talk to folks about, you know, what body of water are you fishing on? Because, you know, if I relate it to here in the state of Michigan, um, you're in the bodies of water, not saying that there's not big fish in the in the in the ecosystem when you're inland, but for the most part, you kind of have an idea whether you're, you know, you've been fishing the body of water, open water, and you kind of know the size of a walleye or, um, you know, lake trout or whatever's in there or any trout of that size. You know, if they're on the smaller side, you you know, what size bait that you're going to be casting down there. Now, if you go on in a bigger body of water, like, um, you know, Saginaw Bay, uh, or viewed up on Beta Knock and, or, you know, even, God willing, if Erie freezes over, this is where I really like um, the progression over the years where the black rain is more of, um, you know, that that workhorse for not knowing what size, but you know that it's a big fish ecosystem. So whether you're out there for walleye and you're, you're on the heavier side of walleye, but, you know, you know, again, relating it back to Saginaw Bay, anybody who's fished the bay, you know, you can have a you know, a 22 inch walleye come through that's, uh, you know, that's weighing five to six pounds, seven pounds. They can get pretty big that time of year. And then you might have lake trout come in. You want to make sure that you've got a rod out there that's going to match that bite because when the lake trout hit, they're not coming in all slow. They're going to come in there and smoke that thing. And then you better hang on. And that's why, you know, I've really gravitated towards the black rain. I call it my big water, uh, ice rod. When I go out, I take that 32 inch out and, uh, I know it can handle any kind of big fish that come in. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right on with that, with that assessment. You, you really know what the, 
what, what the water is going to produce for the most part. And of course there's always special situations where you, you know, you're on your eater Lake and then you get some random fluke deal where you, you catch a 30, but for the most part, um, you kind of know the, the, the size of the, the fish you're going to be catching. And that's, that's where you really want to match that rod to, to what you're, what you're going to be chasing. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of lakes around here, you, there's a ton of eater walleyes and you know, you're going to go out and it's going to be a slim chance. You're going to get a fish over the mid 20 inch range. You're going to catch a, you know, a boatload of 14 to 18 inch fish. And that's where, you know, the gold digger is ideal because it's, uh, it's still a fun fight. That rod is still loading up and it's really important to have the right kind of load in the rod. So you're not, you're not losing fish rod rod load gives margin for error. Yeah. So you don't, you don't want to take a black rain, a medium, medium heavy, and go try to catch a bunch of 14 inch walleyes because the rod's not going to be bending or loading much. You're probably going to lose more fish than you were with the, with the properly matched type of rod. So yeah, you're, you're right on, um, you know, the, 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 uh, black rain was, was really, you know, designed to be, uh, a, a rod where you're, you're trophy hunting. Um, you're going to Lake Winnipeg or like you said, some of your, your fisheries there, uh, whether it's Saginaw or, you know, we all know how eerie he is and, uh, you know, when it does freeze over, I mean, that's just, um, that's trophy central. I mean, that's, uh, that's big walleyes. That's exactly where you'd want the black rain in hand. Um, or when you're lake trout fishing, um, I'm one of my favorite species to chase through the ice is lake trout. There's so much fun. Um, it's such a thrill seeing how fast they move in the water column and just how aggressive the strikes are. And, um, they fight like none other, but that's, um, that's really where you want that, that black rain. Now we make that a uh, black rain all the way up to a 40 inch rod, mm-hmm. um, an extra long handle. So you can tuck that underneath your arm. You know, when you get a, when you get a big fish on, say a, a, a 20 plus pound fish, pretty hard on the wrist. You, re- you really rely on, on tucking that, uh, that butt of the rod in and, uh, hang, hanging on. So, right. um, again, it's just a technique specific thing, but that black rain's, uh, that's for trophy hunting. The other thing too, folks for listening to this, if you're thinking about, you know, this, at least I've noticed this, I really appreciate the different rod length offerings within a certain, um, you know, model because everyone's fishing shacks are set up differently as well. Um, you know, whether you're upper grading every other year, you might say, man, I'm always sitting so far back or I need a shorter rod. I really like this rod. I just wish it was shorter. Um, you know, Joe's done a great job of, uh, you know, addressing the different lengths within a certain model, like black rain, like you said, you can, you can go from a 32 all the way up to a 40 and, and really fit your fishing needs and kind of your setup. If you know you're in tight quarters, but you really still need that strong rod, you can go with the shorter one. You know, if you're in a big shack or a big trailer and you know, you're on big fish, um, you know, a longer rod might make sense. Like you said, you can tuck it underneath and do what you got to do, but that's something I've always really appreciated is, uh, the variety of length sizes when I get in there, um, when I'm buying a rod is like, okay, you know, where am I going to be fishing this and what shack am I going to be in? Am I going to be in my, you know, my popover, my single one where there's not much room or am I going to kind of be in something that's, you know, got a lot more space? Yeah, it, it, it is, it is important. And I always encourage people to use the, the longest rod that they can effectively use within the, within the space. Now, mm-hmm. now there's limitations. If you're in a, if you're in a real small, you know, one man and you're trying to manage that, that 40 inch rod, you're, you're, you're probably going to hit the ceiling before you can get a hook in that fish. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be ideal. I always find that 30 inches is really a sweet spot. Even if you're in a, 
in a shack with that that's really constrained. It's, it's really small. Mm-hmm. Um, it, thirty inch always seems to work, and a thirty inch is still long enough where you can you know be outside hole hopping. You're not bending over, killing your back. But um, ideally, you have you have that shorter rod inside, and then as soon as you're going to step outside and hole hop, you you grab uh, you grab something longer. And, and you're right. Within all of our different categories, we do have. You know, we, we do have those lengths. So panhandler up to a 35-inch rod, all the way down to a 24-inch rod. So if you're if you're outside, I like to use the longest rod, you know, possible. Because longer the rod, more margin for error. That's so right. it's um, yep, it's, uh, it's it's good uh, good to be thinking that way. Yep. Yeah. So folks, you know, anybody listening to this, I, I highly suggest explore the website. Also, go to the YouTube page as well. Um, there's a lot of great examples on there of videos of, uh, staff using different size rods, you know, talking about what they like about it. And that's kind of cool too, Joe, is the team that, uh, that you guys have built is, um, you know, they're all over for the most part, the United States and then, and then the frozen ice belt and things like that. And everyone's kind of got their own opinion. So you, you can kind of relate to who's in the video and kind of what they're talking about. And it's uh, very diverse and it kind of speaks to you. They're not just pushing or, you know, talking about one size rod with one types of fish. It's, it's kind of cool. The diversity that you, that you have in the lineup. Yeah. We're, we're an education first um, kind of company We're we're big believers that you have to, you know, educate people. So they, they make the, they make the right buying decision. And it's not just taking one rod and trying to, you know, force it down people's throat to, to do everything with it. I mean, we, we truthfully don't really have a Swiss army knife of, of rods. I know we talked about the, the rogue being able to do a lot of different things within the panfish world, but yeah, you know, we really do focus on that education and, and it's really about whether it's a video or, it's, um, you know, just a Facebook post trying to talk about our experiences and, and how we, you know, utilize, you know, a certain rod with a certain technique to, to help us be, be successful. So, um, big believer in, uh, in educating and helping others uh, do just that. Right on brother. Well, uh, yeah. So folks, uh, you know, stay tuned from, uh, JT outdoor products or Joe's always coming up with some, some great outside the box thinking. And, uh, Joe, I just want to thank you for your time today to kind of come on and update us all what's been going on over at JT. Like I said, you know, it's been awesome to see how much has progressed over the past two and a half years. And, you know, I'm, I'm super fortunate and grateful to, to be a part of the team. And, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to, you want to mention? Yeah, I just, you know, thanks for having me on. I, I always appreciate these opportunities and, um, like to, ex, uh, explain our, our story and, um, I'm passionate about rod development and, and helping others. And I always welcome, um, um questions from anybody. And, uh, I take a lot of pride in, uh, making sure I, I line people up with the right rod and then I get to hear the feedback of how they're successful with it. And it's really the driving force behind, um, what I do. So, um, always uh, appreciate the opportunity and thank you for having me on Lee. All right. Right on brother. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, a true wizard in the technique specific rod building industry right there. Joe Bricko, um, head on over to jtoutdoorproducts.com and ch- take a peek at some of the, you know, the rods that we talked about today. If you have any questions, you can either DM myself, uh, and, or just, you can always go follow Joe and or jtoutdoorproducts.com and message the team over there and someone will get back to you and answer any questions that you might have. And remember to type in uh, freshwater bite uh, as a promo code 
before checkout and we can save you some money. The podcast can save you some money um, on your purchases. So again, thank you, Joe Brickle, for coming on. Uh, as always, guys, 2020 has been, um, you know, it's been a heck of a year and I'm so happy that you guys are here listening to the podcast and stuck by myself and uh, keep listening to me on a monthly basis. And uh, just as always, I really appreciate you all and looking forward to 2021. I think you all will be surprised with some big things that are going to be coming um, your way uh, on the podcast here. So stay tuned and uh, we'll see you guys in 2021. Cheers.